0: from Galatians chapter 3, verses 7 through 9. Know then that it is those of faith who are the sons of Abraham. And the scripture, foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, preached the gospel beforehand to Abraham, saying, in you shall all the nations be blessed. So then those who are of faith are blessed, along with Abraham, the man of faith. Father, we give this to you. We give ourselves to you we glorify you. We praise you. Let these words speak to us to change us, to teach us, to encourage us. Father, may we use these words to hear these words be changed and bring you all the glory and praise that you deserve. We ask this in your name. Amen. You may be seated. Well, good morning, everybody. Happy Palm Sunday. It is good to be back. Last week I was uh, out of town on my normal spiritual renewal. There we go. Uh, Once a year, um, you guys graciously give me some time to kind of get away. I go down to Village Creek Bible Camp, um, spend some time down there in quiet just to reflect, unplug, get away. Um, And it was Absolutely wonderful. It was absolutely beautiful. So I appreciate you doing that. I came back renewed and restored. Um, And so uh, I would highly recommend to anybody who gets that chance go away in a good way. Go away. Unplug. Unplug from media. Unplug from social media. Unplug from the news. Unplug from life in the sense of focusing, if you're a child of God, to focus your heart on Christ, to focus your heart on, on Him. Um, and uh, we can become overwhelmed by so much in our society, in our lives, in our hearts, Um, and uh, if you're like me, you've got COVID fatigue, you've got life fatigue, Um, it's just, man, life can be rough, and as God's people, we need to take times to just focus and remember who we are in Christ, remember who we are as God's people, and so... um, And so, yeah, I would encourage you to do that. Um, You don't have to take a week. You don't have to take a couple days. Even just sometimes a half an hour is good just to step away and to get away. Uh, We are continuing through Galatians. And I know you may be saying, well, it's Palm Sunday. Why aren't you reading the Palm Sunday uh, passage? Uh, Well, Aaron read some of it. Um, We talked about it. Um, But the thing about the Bible is it all points in one direction. Old Testament, New Testament points to Christ. It points to Him. It points to Him as our Messiah, to Him as our Savior. And so as we're going through Galatians, it's just natural for us to hear these words and have them point to Christ and away from us, and that's Palm Sunday, right? I mean, we, I've had people kind of laugh when I say this. We say it kind of jokingly, but in reality, it's all seriousness. Every single Sunday is God's people is Easter Sunday. Every single Sunday is Palm Sunday. Every single Sunday is Christmas morning. Every day for us as God's people is Easter because we know the one who has saved us. We know the one who looks at our lives and looks at our hearts, gives us the faith to believe, and so blesses us and justifies us as his people. As we've been working through Galatians, just as kind of like a review, Paul talks about how the truth of the gospel message outweighs everything else. Now a reminder, these, these churches in the, the region of Galatia, he's writing them because Some Judaizers, Jews who have come in and infiltrated the church and have said, "Uh, yeah, you believe in Jesus, but you're not really justified. You're not really made right in the eyes of God yet, because as a Gentile, as a non-Jew, you have not been circumcised and you're not really celebrating the festivals. You're not following the law. You need to do that before you can actually be justified before God. And so Paul is writing this letter, and he's saying, no, 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 no. Why am I writing this? The preservation of the truth of the gospel message that salvation comes through Christ alone and not by any works that we could do is so important that none of us are above correction. And then he gives the example of how he calls Peter out in public. Peter was fellowshipping, having dinner with Gentiles— unclean people, according to the Jews. And then some Jews came in and Peter suddenly separated himself from the Gentiles and said, I can't fellowship with you because you're unclean. Paul, okay, so this isn't in scripture, but I can imagine Paul losing it when he hears about this. In fact, he publicly then goes in front of everyone while Peter is standing there and says, you're wrong. You are wrong in doing what you're doing. In fact, what you're doing is promoting a false gospel. Now, that doesn't mean Peter was an unbeliever. What it means, Paul is saying, Peter, you may be the rock that Jesus said on this church, I might build my church, whatever it may be. You are the leader of the Christian community, but you, my brother, are not above correction. You are not above correction because the gospel is more important than you, Paul says, and me. And you bring it in today, we are not above correction as God's people. Because we can be wrong, right? We, we can read a passage, we can misunderstand it, we can try to live it out, and, and we could be wrong in doing that. And as brothers and sisters of Christ, if I am wrong and I'm Peter, you better be the Paul who pulls me aside and gently tells me, and if not, then roughly tell me that I am wrong, especially when it comes to the gospel. The gospel is more important than you It is more important than me. I don't save people. But the gospel message does. You don't save people. The gospel message saves. And so he continues to say to these Galatians, justification, yes, it's by works, but it's not by our works. It's by the works of Jesus Christ, which is why faith in Christ is the only way to be justified before God. There is nothing you can do, Galatians. There's nothing you can do, Elm Creekers, that is good enough, is moral enough to satisfy the judgment and the wrath of God for your sins. And so he says, believe and you will be saved. Not by works, but by faith. And so we as God's people, we don't obey God in order to be saved. We obey God because we are saved. Our love for him is so great for what he's done for us that we want to strive to please our Father in heaven. And when we fail to do so, which is daily, right? Every Christian should say amen and amen to that. We fail. We sin constantly. And yet my identity is not found in my sin any longer. It is found in Jesus Christ. He has already forgiven my sins. 1 John 1 9. Whoever confesses his sin. God is faithful and just to forgive his sin and cleanse him from all unrighteousness. That is what our Christ did. That's what God did. And so we obey him because we are saved, not to earn his love. He loved us while we were still enemies with him. And he saved us, even though we were enemies with him. So he's reminding these Galatians, this is the truth. This is the gospel message. Why would you believe something like works of the law? And turn away from what has already saved you. Don't you remember, Galatians? Don't you remember when you believed? You didn't know. You were Gentiles. You didn't didn't know the law. You had no clue. I never told you about the law. And yet, you were saved. You received the Spirit of God. You were perfected by the Spirit of God. You were supplied with, on a daily, regular basis, the power of the Holy Spirit to help you to live in obedience to God And you saw the work of God in your life. That was all before the law. That was all before the law came in your life. That was all before you heard about these works. Why now would you move away from what has saved you to something that does nothing for you? Why would you do that? Oh, you foolish Galatians. So today... He speaks of Abraham, and he says, basically, he's asking the question, who is the true son of Abraham? Remember, these Jews believed they were the children of Abraham. They received the blessing of Abraham, and Paul starts to address it. Now, I love, I love to hear and I'd read about how events unfolded in the lives of people. I'm an amateur historian. Love reading biographies. I love reading history books, um, histories of nations, how things all tie together. All of those things throughout recorded history, and I especially love to hear about my own family's history. My grandfather, my opa, fought for Germany in World War II, and even seeing the city of Stalingrad. If you if you know your history, he saw it on the top of the hill. He looked for it, and he saw that that ravaged city. He was captured by the Americans, given to the Soviets after the war's end, and he escaped a prisoner camp in Yugoslavia, ironically, with the help of a Catholic nun, which is ironic because he was a Protestant, and eventually he made his way on foot from Yugoslavia to West Germany. Just a small jaunt, just a small one. It's a fascinating story to me of how God saved him from certain death during and after the war, without which I would not exist. I wouldn't be here. See, our history is important to us. It's made us who we are today. And I'll tell you, I'm proud of my German heritage. I'm proud of my German heritage. And other NAB churches about 30 years ago, they would all say, Amen! Because they're all Germans. And you know, this is how it was with the Jews in the first century AD. Their religious and ethnic heritage was something of which they had a deep affection and devotion for. The Jews who conspired to kill Jesus Christ were acting out of the sinfulness of their hearts, yes. But there was also a dark history that drove them to resist any one of Jesus' popularity and influence. So, a little oversimplification uh, simplification of Israel's history. After King David died, a slow moral and spiritual decay began to take root in the nation of Israel. They turned away from worshiping Yahweh alone uh, to worship the false gods of the surrounding nations. And after 230 years of adultery against God... God brings and brought the Assyrians and then the Persians to bring the people of Israel into exile away from the promised land. While there, the Jews saw, because granted, they're going, why are we here? What, what brought us here? Let's look back in our history. And they began to see that it was their disobedience and unfaithfulness to God that was the cause of all of their troubles. And so they became almost militant in their obedience to the law of God. So much so that they actually created new laws to prevent them from disobeying God's original laws and sought to keep their ethnicity pure from any unclean Gentile blood. This created, obviously, a social and cultural norm of ethnic and religious division and separation. The Jews Proudly saw themselves as children of Abraham and ethnic and spiritual heirs of God's covenant promise that was given to Abraham so many years ago. If they wanted to avoid another exile, they told themselves, we must diligently obey the laws and the commands of God just as God commanded us. And so they killed Christ because what does Christ do? He throws things on their head, he heals and does work on a Sabbath, oh, that's against the law of God. He says, yeah, you don't murder, but you have anger in your heart towards your brother, which is the same thing. You may not commit physical adultery, but if you think unwholesome, sexual, lustful thoughts towards a woman in your brain, it is the same as actually committing adultery. That's throwing the, ways that the, the way that the Jews thought about the the, the law, completely on its head. It wasn't just about obedience outwardly. It's a heart issue. And this is why the Judaizers in the church of Galatia were so adamant that the Gentiles follow Jewish, follow Jewish practices. To them, Jesus may have come to save both Jews and Gentiles, but true justification, truly being made right in the eyes of God, would only come if the Gentiles were circumcised and follows the, followed the festival laws like a good Jew, like an obedient Jew, like a true son of Abraham. But Christ even took this thought and flipped it on its head. In John chapter eight, so grab your Bibles, if you have them or your Bible apps, and turn to John chapter eight. In this passage, in this passage, Jesus is, is teaching the people He's got a crowd around him. He's telling them, I'm the light of the world. He's saying, I don't do anything without my father's permission. Everything I say, I say is, uh, everything that I say is what the father tells me to say. And at the end, John chapter eight, John chapter eight, verse 30. This is what it says. And he, uh, as he was saying these things, many believed in him. So he's teaching and everybody goes yes yes i i believe in this guy and what does jesus do because I, i'll tell you what if if i had suddenly a crowd who was like i believe in jesus i'd be jumping up and down and i'd be like sweet okay let's let's get into discipleship let's let's go into the word let's study how, how can we pray for you how can we do this that's not what jesus does verse 31 and i'm going to read all the way to verse 47 So Jesus said to the Jews who had believed in him, this is the crowd that just believed. He turns to them and he says, if you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples and you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. And they, these believers, quote unquote believers, answered him, we are offspring of Abraham. Do you hear that? You hear that? I'm I'm a child of Abraham and have never been enslaved to anyone. How is it that you say you will become free? Yeah, we might be underneath the yoke of Rome right now, but we're not slaves to them. Mm-mm. No, we're slaves to God. We're slaves to, we are children of Abraham. We are slaves to the promise. And Jesus answered them, truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who commits sin is a slave to sin. Uh, who is that? It's all of us, everybody. He's telling them, you think Because you're a child of Abraham, you're not a slave. But the reality is, is you sin every single day of your life, which means you're a slave to sin. Maybe not to Rome in your minds, but to sin for sure. Verse 35: The slave does not remain in the house forever, the son remains forever. So if the son sets you free, that is Jesus Christ, you will be free indeed. I know that you are offspring of Abraham. I know ethnically you are Jewish. You come from his line genetically, if you want to put it in modern jargon yet you seek to kill me why because my word finds no place in you i speak of what i have seen with my father and you do what you have heard from your father for people who say jesus is gentle we should probably listen to these next words they answered him abraham is our father and jesus said to them if you were abraham's children you would be doing the works of abraham that abraham did faith that's the works that abraham did But now you seek to kill me, a man who has told you the truth that I heard from God. This is not what Abraham did. You are doing the works your father did. They said to him, okay, so he's confronting them. What do we usually do? Become defensive, and then we throw it out at at the person who's confronting us. We were not born of sexual immorality. Who was Jesus' mother? Mary. Who was Jesus' father? God. But how did the world see him? Well, it wasn't Joseph. So there's only one conclusion. She had premarital sex and got got pregnant. Out of wedlock. She should have been stoned according to the law. We did not come from sexual immorality. They're throwing it back at Christ. You are a product of sexual immorality. We have one father, even God. And Jesus said to them, if God were your father, you would love me for I came from God and I am here. I came not out of my own accord, but he sent me. Why do you not understand what I say? It is because you cannot bear to hear my word. You hear it, but you don't like it. You are of the father, your father, the devil, and your will is to do your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning and has nothing to do with the truth because there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks out of his own character for he is a liar and the father of lies. But because I tell the truth... You do not believe me. Which one of you convicts me of sin? If I tell the truth, why do you not believe me? Whoever is of God hears the words of God. And the reason why you do not hear them is that you are not of God. These Jews were ethnically the children of Abraham, but spiritually, they were far from him. Their father was actually the devil who was seeking to kill Jesus. If they were the spiritual children of Abraham, they would hear and truly believe the, the words of Jesus because they would recognize that his words are from God, from their father. The shepherd speaks and the sheep hear his voice and they recognize it and they come. For faith is the truest test of our spiritual ancestry. Paul says in chapter, or Galatians 3, 7, know then that it is those of faith who are sons of Abraham. Only faith in the promise found in the gospel message justifies us before God. If we believe that gospel, if we believe the gospel, then we reveal that we are sons and daughters of Abraham and we inherit the covenant promise of blessing and justification given to Abraham. Because Abraham himself himself was not justified by circumcision or following the festivals or following the Ten Commandments. He didn't know them. He hadn't received them. Instead, he was justified by believing the gospel message. Now think about that. That's That's what Paul says. We think of the gospel as a New Testament thing, right? The Old Testament's about the law. The New Testament that's really about the gospel. After all, there are four books in the New Testament called the Gospels, right? I don't see that in the Old Testament everywhere, but Paul actually challenges us on this kind of thinking. He says in verse 8, "And the scripture, foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, preached the gospel, the good news, beforehand to Abraham, saying, in you shall all the nations be blessed. Paul personifies the scriptures, meaning that he speaks of the scriptures as a, as a person. Now, he's not suggesting um, that the scriptures appeared to Abraham in a bodily form and spoke the gospel message. I don't know how many of you guys, if you're my age or older, maybe you remember Salty. You guys, you guys remember there was an old... Old Christian cartoon, and it was actually the Bible with arms and legs and a mouth, and he was speaking. His name was Salty, which is hilarious because what does Salty mean? I was thinking of a pirate, right? But it's not that. That's not what Paul is saying. Like a book appeared, you know, in bodily form to Abraham, and Abraham believe That's not. That's not what he's he's saying. He's using a literary way of speaking to explain a deeper point. How was Abraham preached the gospel message by the scripture, by the word of God, which foresaw that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, not by works. It's the same as in the book of Hebrews when he says the word of God is living and active. This is the word of God, the gospel message in Abraham's day thousands of years ago, speaking the gospel message of blessing and justification through faith alone. To Abraham, God spoke to Abraham how all the nations would be blessed through his line. That blessing is the justification by God of all who believe in God's promise to Abraham. To believe the promise as Abraham believed God's promise is to stand alongside Abraham abraham the man of faith the man who believed it is not our ethnic heritage that determines whether we receive god's blessing or we receive his wrath it is not our obedience to the law which determines if we are a son or a daughter of god it is faith in christ alone the gospel made flesh in which we are find our identity, in which we know who we are. I am proud of my German heritage. I'm even more proud of my Christian heritage, which my German heritage is just an itty-bitty little piece of it. This is the gospel, that Jesus came to earth, lived the life we could never live, and die the death that we could never die. Through faith, those who believe Abraham, even through faith, those who believe the gospel to be true and right are justified before the eyes of God once and forevermore. Ethnicity does not determine the people. Of God. Cultural heritage does not determine who we are in the eyes of God. Good moral works do not determine who is a child of Abraham. Only faith in Jesus Christ, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, the Alpha and the Omega, the great I am. You know what happened shortly after this? These Jews who believed at one point go to pick up stones to kill the man that they had just believed in, revealing that they never really believed. They wanted to kill him, murder him. Ironically, after Jesus says, you follow your father, the devil, who's a murderer from the beginning. They go, well, we're not, we're going to murder you. That's what they do. And they don't even realize it. They don't see it. Do you believe in the message of God as spoken to Abraham? Do you have faith in the gospel message that only Jesus justifies us before God? Do you believe? Then you are a child of Abraham. And even more importantly, you're a child of God. What do we have in common in this room? What one thing do we have in common as a church, as people. What it should be is not our salaries, not whether we wear glasses or not, not our heritage, not our ethnicity, not the size of house we have, the kind of car that we have. None of that matters when we die and go to heaven. We gather together as God's people here at Elm Creek because our one common denominator is Jesus Christ and Him alone. Which is why we say we're a family. What do families do? They fight. We, We disagree. But we love each other. Not because we're always right, but because we know Christ. And we forgive because we've been forgiven much. We show grace because we've been shown much grace by the gospel of Jesus Christ. We are children of god that is what determines whether we are found right in the eyes of god not whether you show up on sunday morning although that's important not whether you join a bible study that's important not whether you hold high your german heritage that's important but in the end what matters you stand before our savior in eternity it's not whether you're a member of elm creek it's whether you're a member of the family of God. That's what determines it. The night that Jesus sat and ate with his disciples. Okay, we're doing, we're going to do communion today. And this is just perfect because, okay, we go, well, it's, it's Palm Sunday. Yeah, but we don't have a Monday, Thursday service. We don't have a Good Friday service. We're doing Palm Sunday, Monday, Friday. Isn't that kind of how we, it's all of those put together. Because what happens, these people, as Aaron had read before, everybody comes with an agenda and these people are worshiping and praising and waving their palm branches and laying their cloaks on the ground and the king has has come. And five days later, Jesus is sitting with his disciples in the upper room the night that he was betrayed by his friend Judas. This is the Celebration of the Passover. That's, that's what it's, it's, we call it the Last Supper because it's Christ's Last Supper for that week with his people. Okay, there's other theological issues or uh, things that go along with that, but the Jews are celebrating the Passover. It was a celebration and reminder to the people of Israel of God, saving them out of slavery in Egypt and leading them to the Promised Land. And during the last plague in which every firstborn would be killed, Anyone who slaughtered a lamb and covered the doorposts and lintel with the blood would be passed over by the angel of death, and the firstborn of that household would be saved. This was true at the time for both Jew and Egyptian, Jew and Gentile. There were Egyptians, there were other people from other nationalities who did that, they were saved, they left with Israel on the exodus. They they joined them, complaining a lot, but they joined them. Little did Jesus' disciples know that night that the Passover lamb was sitting before them. He would be killed and anyone who believed in him by faith would be covered with his blood spiritually, forgiven of their sins and made a child of God. The wrath of God passed over them. It's true for both Jew and Gentile alike. Only the blood of Christ is able to completely cover us so that the wrath of God passes over us in the last day. Only the Lamb of God, Jesus Christ, saves. And only those who believe through faith are truly sons of Abraham and daughters of Abraham There are two people that I assume two types of people in that I assume that are in this room or are listening right now online you have the individual who believes this and is saved believes the gospel sees it as good news saving us from our sins for us this is a reminder this this point over here because that's usually where we have it. Uh, Communion, this last supper, the bread and the wine for us is a reminder. Christ commands us, don't forget you are saved by my blood. You are not saved by communion. You are not saved by any works. You are saved and you're not saved by your ethnicity. You are saved by Jesus Christ and his blood alone. And when we remember that We always have a time right before we take the bread and we drink the the cup together as God's people. We have this time of silence and reflection. And that's for us as God's people is to confess our sin. Is there anything that's in my heart right now that I need to lay before Christ? He's already forgiven it, but I need to acknowledge it. I want to obey him more because I love him more. He's already saved me. And to glorify him that my sin no longer tells me who I am, Jesus Christ does. I am cleansed. By the blood of Christ, and I praise Him and I glorify Him as I confess my sin. So, we're going to have a time of confession, um, even as as uh, Albert and Luke are going to be passing around here in a couple minutes. But that other person, who is also here, is someone who has not believed. You hear the gospel and you reject it, or you hear the gospel and you're not sure. You, you know, I like Jesus and I kind of like most of His teachings, but hmm, I'm not really sure. If you are in that category, I I ask you, I cannot change your heart. I cannot stand up as this example of of wonderful, great obedience. Be like me. Okay, I'm not Paul. Remember Paul, what he says, imitate me as I imitate Christ. I would say imitate me as I try to imitate Christ, but don't imitate those things about me that aren't Christ-like, okay? Like I'm, I'm a realist. I understand that. But look at us as a family. Look at Christ and say, man, what a bunch of imperfect, sinful people. But man, they love Jesus. And they trust in him alone to save them. I can't change your heart, but if the Spirit is talking to you, go before him, confess your sin, and bask in the forgiveness and the cleansing of Jesus Christ. There's no special prayer. There's no words that if you say this, suddenly you're going to be saved or you take communion and as soon as you eat the the bread, suddenly you're saved. There's none of that. It is is belief and faith that makes you a child of Abraham, makes you a child of God. So believe. So as believers, as we sit and we confess our sin to remember the salvation that we have and the forgiveness that we have in Christ, if you're an unbeliever, Confess your sin and welcome the the work of God and the Spirit in your life and be changed. No matter your past, no matter what sins you're dealing with right now, no matter your ethnicity, no matter your socioeconomic situation, only Christ saves. So believe. Believe in Him. I want to read Matthew chapter 26, verse 26 through 28. This is what Christ said that night. And so let these words just kind of soak in during this time as we're having a time of confession of sin. Now as they were eating, this is the disciples and Jesus, Jesus took the bread and after blessing it, broke it and gave it to the disciples and said, take eat, this is my body. And he took a cup, and when he had given thanks, and when he had given it to them, he said, drink of it, all of you. For this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. Jesus is our Passover lamb. Now may we go to him in faith and bask in the forgiveness of, of unrighteousness and sin in his presence. So let's go before him as they pass out the communion.